Years ago, when my husband and I were dating, he flew from his home in Austin, Texas, to visit me with, with my family in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up. Eager to show him the beauty of my home state, we quickly left the city and drove to the coast. Much of the hour and a half long drive is on a windy road, a two-lane highway, across the coastal range. Thick forests are on either side of the road. Sitka spruce, Douglas fir, western red cedar, as, as high and as deep as your eyes can see. As we were driving along, he, he interrupted me, pull over, pull over right here. I was a, a bit surprised, it kind of came out of nowhere. Are, are you okay? Pull over, he said. And so I did. He jumped out of the car, ran across the highway, and deep into the woods. Thinking that this was probably a car sickness situation, I gave him a couple of minutes, and then I got out of the car, walked across the street to find where he was. Are you okay? I called down into the woods. I can still remember his face, speechless, awe, wonder. He called back to me, the trees. Look, look at the trees. Today, our our psalm, the song of Psalm 29, it rings with similar wonder and awe. It's a doxology of creation, a hymn of the cosmos. The song describes the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord is enthroned as king. But this temple, it's, it's not what we would expect. The throne sits not on the ground, but above the water, so that the one who sits in this chair can dip their toes and cool off. The walls of, of this temple, they aren't made of stone or brick, but of oaks and cedars gilded with bark, robed in leaves, arms stretched up in a canopy, across the sky. In, in this temple, the choir loft, it has no sopranos, altos, tenors, but creation sings the parts, thunders roaring, crackling leaves and needles burning in fire, rushing rivers, quaking deserts, skipping calves and wild oxen. There's a kind of call and response between God and creation. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. 
seven times over. And in response, all in the temple sing glory. All in the temple sing glory. But who is all? Do you notice who's missing? Most of the 150 psalms are addressed to God or to the people of God. But this psalm begins, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. It's the heavenly beings who describe to the Lord glory and strength, who praise the wonderful name, who worship the Lord in holy splendor. The heavenly beings aren't called angels or seraphim, not here. They are thunder, trees as high as the heavens, mountains that touch the clouds. In this song, people are completely left out. There's not even a mention of our human species until the final two lines. And even then, we're named in a kind of closing prayer. We're not the subject. The choir sings glory with or without us. When, when did some of us stop hearing creation's song? When did we become, in, in our view, the only choir singing glory? It's, it's happened in a remarkably short period of time, actually, just a few generations. We have received a faith passed down to us that is deeply connected to creation, to land, to water, to animals, to gardens, and to trees. While this psalm is, is really unique in whom it addresses and the fact that people are mostly absent, it's not at all unique in its inclusion of the natural world. Trees of Life, Bookend, Genesis, and Revelation. Zacchaeus has a sycamore for a ladder. Jesus is the one called the vine and the branches. There's the withering fig and the palms we wave as we shout, Hosanna. These stories of our faith have shaped and formed many of us. But even so, the songs of people have always been louder or, or central or, or, or dominant or somehow mattered more as if the earth isn't our home or something we need? As if the earth wasn't seeing its own song of glory. 
But that's not the whole story, is it? Because not only did many of us stop hearing the song of glory, but as our relationship to the natural world shifted, human action began to interfere with creation's choir. At some point, Christians, especially in the U.S., thought we could say like the psalmist, the Lord is king. And in the very same breath, worship, growth, and profit. I've been persuaded by the journalist Naomi Klein and, and many others who describe our current climate crisis as the result of our obsession with growth, with, with more, growth without limits or accountability. After all, if the sky's the limit for the trees, then why not for us? Patricia Westerford, a character in the novel The Overstory, she puts it like this. How is extraction ever going to stop? It can't even slow down. The only thing we know how to do is grow. Grow faster, more than last year. Growth all the way up the cliff and over. No other possibility. Most of us know that our exploitative and destructive ways of living over creation or against creation have repercussions. Excessively using natural resources and transforming them into nothing but commodities, burning fossil fuels for decades without limits, these actions have measurable consequences for land, for air, for animals, and yes, for people. Climate change most directly affects people who have done little or nothing to cause it. People who are poor, people of color, people without the option to move. But have we considered that our actions might actually silence the choir? Who are we to limit creation's own response to the voice of the Lord? How dare we silence their song of glory? Take trees. Look at the trees this time closer to home. Just last month, our own biology department here at Duke published a study examining what they call the ghost forests of North Carolina. Ghost forests are, are large sections along the coast of, of previously protected and healthy forests that have died seemingly all at once. 
Yes, trees grow, trees live, they die. But this isn't a natural life cycle kind of death. This is something else entirely. When you look at one of these ghost forests, instead of seeing healthy green limbs and leaves, you see a forest of dead gray trunks. trees. Look at the trees. Scientists expect rising sea levels to kill vegetation that's close to shore. That's because salt water poisons plants and soil, literally sucking all the moisture right out of them. But what surprised researchers in this study is that over half of the new ghost forests they examined were at least half a mile inland. This is more than a shrinking beach problem. Salt water is reaching new places. And that combined with poor development choices and increased bad weather, flooding from extreme events like hurricanes, the trees, they can't survive. The losses over the last 30 years are so significant that you can see the ghost forests of North Carolina from space. But the vicious cycle continues because lost along with the trees, along with the forests, are the storehouses for carbon dioxide they previously absorbed and the clean air that they can no longer offer. Where once there was a choir robed in leaves, arms stretched out in a canopy across the sky singing Glory, now there is a silent graveyard of wooden tombstones. I want to tell you that everything is going to be okay. I want to tell you about profound acts of resistance, people who are saying no to more, people who are restoring forests and planting trees. I want to tell you exactly what you should do when you leave here or when you turn off the computer. I want to tell you all of these things because it's so uncomfortable to stand here feeling overwhelmed and helpless. And it's so disorienting and to examine the grip of the sky's the limit story of growth that we've been told. And it's so difficult and so painful to confess the part that we've played, the songs that we haven't heard, and the songs that human actions have silenced. But this isn't our song. It's a song of creation. 
It offers no promise. But it ends with a prayer. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless the people with peace. God, do we ever need your strength to stop that which feels impossible? God, do we ever need your strength to say no to more? And God, we need your peace to work together across lines we cannot cross without your bridge. The truth is, creation will find new ways to sing glory with or without us. The question for us is a harder one. Will we keep fighting creation's song or will we join with creation as in around glory to God in the highest, glory to the spirit who moves like rushing wind, glory to the king who died on a tree?